Nothing scares us. Like scary movies. Uh-huh. I'll be right back. Nothing scares us. Nothing scares us. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Scares Us podcast, where two jaded horror fans hunt for an actually scary movie. I'm Michelle. And I'm Serenia. Today we're talking about The Exorcist. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Released in 1973 based on the book by William Peter Blatty, this movie was met with a good measure of criticism and critical acclaim and was also the first horror movie to be nominated for an Academy Award. The winner is William Peter Blatty for The Exorcist. In 2010, it was also added to the National Film Registry for its cultural significance, so it's pretty safe to say that this movie has had a big impact on the people who saw it. I have a friend in there alone and I I, I don't want to leave her in there alone. I'm not standing here shaking for nothing. <laughs> Obviously, still today, it's touted as one of the greatest horror films of all time. Lots of people, particularly religious people, I would imagine, are still very terrified of this movie, despite the somewhat dated nature of the film. Man, you're old. Mm-hmm. You're old. So initially, the film got a very limited release due to the very taboo subject matter. Um, And during this limited release, people were protesting. They were claiming to have heart attacks, miscarriages, fainting, vomiting, and all the works. But despite all of their protests, the film made a ridiculous amount of money um, and therefore uh, got a wider release and continued to be like one of the biggest box box office successes for a horror movie of all time. And I thought you said like it only recently got dethroned by Stephen King's It, right? 2017 version, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy that a movie like stayed the top grossing horror film for so long. But also um, the people that were protesting it, from what we read, I think it seemed like those were not the same people that were the ones that went and saw it and threw up and whatever. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the people that like had a really like severe reaction to it still mostly like enjoyed the experience. Like that video we saw where they were talking to the people in the crowd and the lines. They're like, it's a good movie. I would never watch it again, but it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all this being said, uh, this is obviously considered a very like highly revered horror movie. A lot of people think it's really scary. Yeah. And uh, we have some thoughts on it, <laughs> but um, we'll save that for a little bit later. Another fun fact that I wanted to mention real quick before we get into the, the plot summary is that uh, supposedly this film was so popular with Black audiences, unexpectedly so, uh, that it sort of inspired the wave of black exploitation horror films that came after, which, I mean obviously isn't great but um the fact that like more representation in hollywood came as a result of this movie is pretty interesting that's pretty cool it also stands worth mentioning that the production of this film was plagued with so many different problems from going extremely over budget to not having big named actors to several injuries and even the set catching fire at one point allegedly didn't it burn down or something (laughs) i think so did you do that uh 
There's also different versions of this movie, I think, that is important to mention, that we saw the theatrical cut, from what I, I think believe, what was, the yeah. original theatrical cut without the extended scenes. Yes. Um, but we did watch the extended scenes after, so mm-hmm. we know basically what the changes were and how they impact the movie overall. So let's get right into the plot summary. This movie opens up with a middle-aged, shall we say, actress um, who is living in a house in Washington. Uh, They didn't really specify which Washington. I'm assuming D.C. (laughs) I think so, because then they didn't... Another one of the videos we saw that talked about some of the deleted scenes, um, there was a scene where she takes her daughter to the different landmarks in Washington, I think, right? Right. So she's living in Washington, D.C., shooting a movie. Uh, and her teenage daughter, well, not quite teenage daughter, Reagan, is, uh, she seems like a really bright, pretty happy kid. They have a good relationship with each other, but it's clear that she is also somewhat isolated, that she doesn't really have a lot of other kids to talk to. At the beginning of the movie, she talks about, like, just talking to a man on a horse or something that comes by. Well, she was playing with her friend, and then the man on the horse came up and let her ride the horse. Mm. So maybe she does have friends. Maybe. Also, I wonder if, like, the the man on the horse is a metaphor for something or if that actually happened. That's what I thought at first, oh, especially when she was like, he, the, maybe I'm thinking bad or something. But I thought it was going to end up being some kind of metaphor because she was like, he had this beautiful horse. And the mom was like, is it a mare or a gelding? And she was like, it's a gelding. And he let me ride the horse. And it was so beautiful. Mom, can we get a horse? <laughs> yeah, that seemed a lot like, that seemed like a very, like, specific phrasing of everything for it to not have any sort of significance on the rest of the movie. And I was just like, is she really not concerned that her daughter rode on a stranger's horse? Just, like, I was fine. Like, they could have rode away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like at the time that this film was made and released, that like the whole stranger danger thing was kind of just getting started, you that's know. True. That's true. But still, <laughs> that's it's a bit sus. <laughs> um and the, like with the whole thing with like the possession being caused by some form of guilt is what we're led to believe yeah. throughout the movie. I was like maybe that has some bearing on what happened with the man and the horse. Right. They never said that mm-hmm. she was guilty about it. There's anything. also the scene later on in the movie, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but <laughs> later on in the movie where the director, Burke, I think was his name, mm-hmm. he has no reason to be in her room, but he's in her room. Yeah. So um, are we trying to like vaguely hit at some sort of sexually explicit nature? Like, is that what's we're supposed to be led to believe? Because this film does um, touch on themes of child abuse and... You know, the part where she's, like, touching herself with the cross, basically. Mm, she's stabbing herself with that cross, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- wasn't there another scene, though, where she was, like, lunging at the doctors? She was, like, she was, like, going like this at them. She was, like, thrusting at them. It was it was meant to be, like, okay, to look sexually explicit. Okay. At, at least that's how I interpreted it. Me too, but... But anyway, like, the fact that, <laughs> like, those themes were in there. Yeah. And that I don't think that it's too far of a reach to think that it was a sexual assault metaphor. Maybe. But anyway, <laughs> I think we're spending a lot of time on this. But um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so they're in Washington. The mom's filming a movie. Reagan is, you know, chilling, doing her best, having a good life, it seems. 
um, until something unknown happens that causes a shift. And it could possibly be the lack of her father or her unhappy family life or lack of social interaction with kids her own age. I thought it was because she found that we that Luigi board. Mm, that that is true. That's she was, I thought it was she was committing the cardinal sin of horror movies, which is playing with a Ouija board. Got her mom in on it, and she was like, "Captain Howdy," and I was like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah. But regardless of what initially led the demon in, she ends up possessed. Yes. Um, from what we researched, from the minimal research we did after watching the movie, it seems that that particular demon has a name, and that name is Pazuzu. Pazuzu, which was not mentioned in the movie that I noticed. Yeah, that's what I thought was kind of strange, but I guess it's, like, maybe, like, the lore of the rest of the movies in the series or in the book or something. Maybe they bring it up then. Yeah. I'd also like to read the book at some point and maybe Mm. do, like, a part two to this episode someday. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, Reagan is possessed. Her mom is taking her to all these different doctors and specialists trying to figure out what the problem is. There's a very graphic (laughs) scene of medical what whatsoever um they're scanning her brain I yeah think. what was the name of the procedure do you remember i don't remember like an like an angio something yeah something like that yeah <laughs> which uh, apparently is one of the most realistic medical procedures ever performed for a movie um because they actually did it like they actually like inserted the tube into her they allegedly act that like that was actually her like bleeding yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I've obviously never seen anything like that because that's a practice that's not medically done anymore, to my knowledge. That's not how they do it. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting to see. Um, and I can definitely see why audiences in the 70s who were not going in expecting anything of that nature would react really strongly to that. It was cool to learn about um, that after this movie was made, that then when they were training doctors, they used that scene to train them for that particular procedure, whatever it was called. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, too, because, like, obviously the best and, like, fanciest cameras around were preserved for filmmaking back then. And doctors, not many, like, medical professionals would have access to those cameras for long enough periods of time to, like, extensively film those types of procedures. Uh, so it is nice that that record exists mm-hmm. of, like, how it was done. It sucked. The, like, the circumstances of it kind of sucked that they actually stabbed that little girl's neck for the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that they were able to use it for medical reasons. Yeah. A lot of things that they did to that girl um, seem not that's, okay by today's standards. That's true. Um, evidently, um, for the scenes where she was strapped to the bed and flinging herself back and forth, those uh, there was like a mechanical arm of or some sort of thing that like flung her back and forth, and supposedly she still has like chronic back pain and problems because of that. <laughs> or for the rest of her life, I don't I don't know if she's still alive. I think she's still alive. Why wouldn't she still be alive? You never know. <laughs> That's probably something I should have looked into. Anyway, as you can tell, we don't know anything about this movie. We've even though we're like really big horror fans, we've missed a lot of classics. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is partly why we're doing this podcast to begin with, because, you know, we want to educate ourselves and we want to, like, find movies that we think are scary and we want to sort of cover, like, the whole spectrum of horror from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> You're a good time. <laughs> hey, stop! That's good! So, what happens after the medical procedure? Um, then we eventually get to that scene where the doctors are like, 
we can't figure out what's wrong with her. Uh, the psychiatrists can't figure out what's wrong with her because eventually they recommended the psychiatrist too. Mm-hmm. And the guy that hypnotized her was there, and mm-hmm. and they were like, they're like, we don't think the what I got from that scene where they're all sitting around that table is we don't think possession is real, but we think she's convinced that she's possessed. So if you take her to get an exorcist, since she believes in the demon, she'll believe that it has been exercised and she'll get better. Is what I understood that doctor was trying to communicate to the mom. Right. And also throughout all this, we have the subplot with the priest named Damien? Damien? Damien. Damien. I thought Damien. it was funny that Damien. his name was Damien. Because doesn't that mean demon or something I like that? I think so. Um, but Damien, uh, Damien Karras, uh, this Greek-American man who is a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a psychologist? He's a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist and also a priest, a Catholic priest, um, who is struggling with his faith and also his mother, who is very sick, and she ends up dying um, around the same time that all the stuff is going down with Reagan, Mm -hmm. which sort of gives him, like, a personal connection, because he couldn't save his mother, but... You know, maybe there's something that he can do for Reagan. Is That's what probably I, why he insisted yeah. on being there and helping with the exorcism. Yeah, he felt like a really like personal stake in it. Whereas the doctors, you know, they were just like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> figure but, it out. But they refused to admit they didn't know. That's true. <laughs> that annoyed me so much. Mm-hmm. Just say you don't know. Stop saying it's a brain lesion when you just looked at a scan that did not show any brain lesions. Like, <laughs> stop lying to this poor mother. I don't know. There's also a subplot with the director of the film that the mother is making um, where he like ends up in the girl's room at some point and supposedly gets flung out the window, falls down a staircase and breaks his neck. But like instead of having a normal broken neck, it's like all the way turned around 360. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bit weird. That's suspicious. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he comes, the police investigator guy, whatever he is, he comes to the mom's house and is like, um, I'm gonna ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, not saying you did anything, but uh, you know, did you do anything? Did your daughter do did anything? Did your daughter do anything? <laughs> um, yeah, and um, that same police officer is um questioning the priest as well, trying to get him in on this whole situation or try and figure out like if the person who defaced the church, which is another thing that happens, um, is the same person that might have killed. Oh yeah killed the film director yep Mm -hmm. that poor poor statue yeah it is interesting that this movie sort of weaves together like a film noir detective sort of storyline with like a supernatural Mm storyline a loss of faith storyline like a you know corruption of innocence storyline there's a lot of layers going to this going into this and i feel like it's like a really well-made film i feel like um i can really understand why it's still revered to this day like it holds up incredibly well for what it is yeah it was a good movie mm-hmm. <laughs> i didn't really think about that all the layers until now that you're mentioning it <laughs> well this is why we discuss we, we have different interpretations we were also watching um an interview afterwards with the director and the author of the mo- of the movie um the author of the movie the author of the book that the movie is based on <laughs> And they had um, a pretty severe disagreement, it seems, between, like, what scenes were cut and later re-added to the movie. He added them to the director's cut. Yeah, and there's one particular scene in which uh, the priest, Marin, that's his name? 
I think so. Yeah, the priest that I don't think we've discussed yet, but he's at the beginning of the movie, and he comes in at the end to deliver the final exorcism on Reagan. Um, He says to Damien, our main priest, um, that the reason that the demon is possessing Reagan and doing all these vile things is to make them all lose hope in humanity. Right, because he's like, why this little girl? Like, what Mm -hmm. is he accomplishing? And then he's like, it's to get to all of us. (laughs) Yeah, and I, uh, the director said that, um, you know, I cut that from the movie because I feel like the whole movie, when you watch it as a whole, portrays that pretty well. And you can sort of draw that inference, you know, draw the same conclusion from yourself, for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that statement, but Serenia. No, um, I was like, I didn't, I, okay, so the way it happened is we were watching that video. And they talked, the, the director talked about it. And I was like, yeah, I would have liked it better. I would have liked it. It would have been good to have that scene in there. And Michelle was like, no, I agree with the director. I don't think it <laughs> needed to be in there. And I was like, I didn't get that message from the movie at all. Like a little bit, but not like how he was like, well, it was obvious. Mm-hmm. I think I was watching it more of like a, I had more of like a critic's hat on and you were just like watching the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like you were just paying attention to the plot. And I was the dogs. And the dogs, yeah. You're paying attention to the plot, and I was paying attention to, like, the subtext, I guess. But it's interesting, though, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we had the same exact argument that the director and the author had. Yep. Which is weird, because you're the one who's an author, and I'm just <laughs> a person. <laughs> a non-author person. You're a great person. But not an author. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, one thing leads to another, and the mom ends up uh, linking up with Damien, the priest, and, like, asks him to get an exorcism. Um, but he's like, we don't really do exorcisms anymore. Like, there's probably a psychological reason why she's doing this. Like, I can go give her a look if you want me to, but, like, I'm not gonna, <laughs> there's not gonna be an exorcism. Uh, but lo and behold, there is, in fact, an exorcism. She's like, your mother's in hell, Damien. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, how did she know that? Mm-hmm. And then he goes and skulks and broods for a little while, and then he comes mm-hmm. back. And then he, uh... Well, first he goes to talk to the church, and he's like, I think she actually needs an exorcism. Mm-hmm. And then they do the exorcism. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty grody. It's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, the most iconic scenes are, like, the head turning around 360, which wasn't really during the exorcism scene, really, was it? I don't remember. Either. I don't remember all either. Just kind of like together in my head. Yeah, but uh, you know, she says some really crass things that you wouldn't expect like a cute little girl to say. Uh, you know, she's flailing around. She's uh, saying things about Damien's mom, vomiting in both of their faces. <laughs> yeah, your mother sucks cocks in hell. But eventually, she sort of calms down a little bit, and it seems like the power of Christ compelled her. <laughs> I'm going to say the same question I said then. Is that where that phrase came from? Is the Exorcist movie? Because that's like what like all of everybody says in every movie now. The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, I think so. I, is, I, I would assume that that's where it came from. This is the movie that started that phrase. <laughs> we also noticed while we were watching this that there was a lot of scenes that just felt so reminiscent of other horror movies that came later. Mm-hmm. Like just like these long sweeping scenes with like very little music or like a very particular type of score that michael myers music <laughs> yeah it sounded very similar to a halloween score at one point <laughs> um you know long shots where like the camera will like comes like creeping up under like a piece of furniture or something or like through somebody's legs or over like a bleacher you know lots of scenes like that that sort of add to like 
the ambiance or the suspense aspect or whatever. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that the house that they're in for the majority of the movie, um, you know, some films like this, like the house would become its own character, right? That's but true. But in this, it felt really like removed and detached from what was happening inside the house. And I thought that that sort of was nice that it echoed the fact that this isn't their house, that they're, you know, they're really unsettled and they're not there permanently. That's true. And everything is just sort of up in the air. Right. I think in scary movies, I think that's, I think that's subconsciously, I think that's subconsciously what I was expecting when like the whole attic thing happened and she was mm-hmm. hearing noises and she went to go up in the attic and the fire was like in her face. Mm-hmm. But then like that was it. They didn't, you're right. They usually make the, the I can't speak. <laughs> they make the house into like its own scary part of the movie, but it wasn't for this movie. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay, so basically what goes down with um, Reagan's Exorcism Part 2 <laughs> is that um, Father Damien, he is unable to take the fact that she's taking on the form of his mother and making him feel super guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Marin, like, <laughs> sort of gives him a timeout and says, get out. He doesn't sort he just tells him, get out. Yeah, get out. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. I don't need this. Um, but apparently he did need it because when Damien comes back, Father Marin is dead. He did. Yeah, he did, which is, you know, not quite unexpected because they said when they first, you know, got him, they suggested him to do the exorcism that the last one he did almost killed him. So I don't know why they would do that to that poor old man. And it was the same demon, right? Yeah, it was the same demon. At least that's what it was implied. I thought it was kind of, I mean, not like funny because I was disappointed that he was dead and everything, but I thought it was kind of funny that Father Damien comes in and, you know, he, Father Marion's dead on the bed and um, Reagan's just sitting there just chilling, looking at him like, <laughs> hey, beach. <laughs> I did this. Yeah, this, this is what happened. Um, but then they have a little tussle, Damien and Reagan, mm-hmm. or the demon, I should say. Um, and Damien is so annoyed and angry that the demon has gotten the better of Father Marin that mm-hmm. he starts wrestling with the demon. Yeah, and saying, yeah, saying to take him instead of Reagan yeah. and to enter him instead. And as soon as the, the demon enters Father Damien, he yeets himself out of the window <laughs> the same way that it's implied that the film director died. Yeah. Um, and then he <laughs> splats on the ground. And Reagan turns back to normal, and it seems like the day is saved, or is it? So there's also this implication that the necklace that was found yeah. in Reagan's room was the source of the possession, because it's also seen in... Well, no, I thought that was the necklace Damien was wearing that Reagan ripped off before possessing like the demon in reagan's body i guess ripped off of him before possessing him i thought the necklace was like i was like is that some kind of protection oh maybe i'm not sure i i'm <laughs> i know that it was found in the excavation site at the beginning of the movie right like it showed Marin digging it up oh yeah that little charm yeah if it wasn't the same one then it was a similar one yeah it was something to do with the charm I, we missed it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah uh, it seems like there's a bit of an open-ended there's a little bit of an open-ended thread at the end of this that may or may not have continued into the other films in the in the series. True. Maybe we'll cover those one day, but 
Uh, as it is, I think that this is a really remarkable film in that it manages to cover a lot of depth and a lot of different themes from like child abuse and loss of faith, mm-hmm. um, even like all the way down to something like very simple, like loneliness and helplessness and all that good stuff. And while still being like a genuinely like, I wouldn't say that I particularly found it scary, but I it is like, you know, a horror film. Like I would never say that this wasn't a horror film. Like, obviously, when it came out, it was very scary. Right. Um, Looking at it through the lens of today and all the things that we've, like, seen and experienced both in real life and on film, you know, it maybe doesn't hold up the same way that it would for those people back then. But I can definitely see why it was such a phenomenon. And to be clear, it doesn't hold up scariness-wise. It still holds up as a good movie. It's an incredible film, and I'm glad that we (laughs) finally watched it. Um... But, you know, getting into the namesake of this podcast, did you think that this film was scary? Not really. Me neither. It was fun to think about. Yeah. But it didn't scare me. Yeah, we actually <laughs> we actually laughed a lot through <laughs> the whole exorcism scene. I forgot about that. Um, but, you know, that's just us. We're, yeah. You know, that's an us problem. That's It's not the world's fault that we're jaded and terrible. It's kind of part of the reason we started this podcast. Yeah. We were like, we need to find a movie that will scare us and make us want to cry at night again. Yeah. Like when we were children. <laughs> and we haven't found that yet, but you know. Yet. Maybe someday. Let's talk about uh, some... <laughs> ah, it keeps doing this static thing. I hope it's not, like, unusable. It's haunted. Yeah. Our microphone is haunted, guys. You know, bear with us. So shall we go over a couple of uh, segments that we'd like to make regular segments? Yes. <laughs> first of all, were there inescapable boobies in this movie? Do we want to explain first what inescapable boobies means? <laughs> Probably should. Um, basically, every time that Serenity and I watch a horror movie together, there's boobies. Because Somebody's boobs get flashed. Yeah. For that, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that's a horror movie trope. Probably because of sexism um, yeah. and misogyny. But, you know, it is a thing. And uh, we always notice it all every single time. And uh, we wanted to make it a part of this podcast. So yes, were there inescapable boobies in this movie? Kind Kind of. of. (laughs) There were uh, boobies added to a statue in the church. That was... I think it was supposed to be the Virgin Mary, maybe. Yeah, probably. And she had, like, somebody went in and, like, added, like, boobs and, like, a peen to the statue. Yeah. You know what I read in one of the things when we were researching? What? That for the, like, rated PG or whatever they show on TV, like, when they show movies on TV... They replaced it in some of them with just, like, a statue that's, like, crying blood or a statue that's been, like, smashed, like, the face has been smashed in, but they don't show that one. But when it's rated TV-14, um, they do show that one. Mm. The 14-year-olds, they can handle the fake boobs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Holy water. You keep it away. What did you want to say? I was going to talk about how they didn't show any of the girl's body, but that's not the inescapable. We can talk about that now. That comes in the problematic. We can talk about that now. Okay. Uh, Another segment we wanted to have was, like, how problematic is this movie? And I'd say not very, honestly. Like, I was actually shocked by how, you know, pretty comfortable I felt watching this. Like, it holds up well, not only in terms of, like, cinematography and subject matter, but also in terms of, like... There's nothing in it that like aged like super poorly in my opinion, except for like a couple of pop culture references when the cop and the priest are talking that we didn't quite get. But other than that, everything, you know, held up pretty well. Yeah. And one thing that Serenia and I both really liked was that anytime Reagan's body was being shown, it wasn't in a sexual 
manner. Well, and it wasn't like not necessarily not in a sexual manner manner, but that the fact that her modesty was preserved, yes. like throughout the medical procedures and when she's flailing around. I don't know why. Like I, I kept, I kept waiting for them to disappoint me and like show her chest or, like when she was like lifting up her mm-hmm. dress or whatever the nightgown, I guess. In front, I kept. Like, please don't, please don't, please don't show this little girl's underwear. Please, like, please don't. And they never did. And I was so glad at the end of the movie. I was like, thank you. Like, there was a scene where they're uncovering her, like, belly. Because, mm-hmm. I guess, little Reagan inside of this now possessed body is, like, writing help me from the inside. And <laughs> she's, I, she's possessed her own internal organs. That was the one where I was like, please stop, please stop, please stop unbuttoning, please. And then yeah. they did. They, like, right above her little chest. They just stopped. And I was so glad because I feel like... Even in other movies, like, I can't think of a specific example, but there's been other movies, I think, where, like, they don't stop. And it's not necessarily sexual, but I'm like, is it really necessary to expose that much? Like, Mm -hmm. this is a child. Yeah, (laughs) and I think that happens a lot of the times because the actors playing those roles aren't actually children. That's true. That's true. In this case, it actually was a child. Um, At least I think so. I think she was actually, like, a, a kid. Yeah. If I remember correctly. So, that's good. <laughs> I was very, very glad that they took care of that little girl. Mm-hmm. At least in that way. I don't know. I don't know about the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, she had the back problems and she had to have her her, uh, her neck <laughs> injected or cut open or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> I guess that sort of transitions nicely into the, is this scary or just gross segment? I think that depends on whether or not you're Catholic slash religious mm-hmm. or believe in demons or something like that. Yeah. See, I or don't, not. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't necessarily not believe in demons, but as somebody who wasn't really raised growing, going to church like every Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of something terrifying, you know? Yeah. Same. My family did like going to church when I was younger, but I... I don't know. Maybe I'm evil, but I never like got into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would send me to church school, and I'd be like, "Eh, you know, I'm doing it because they want me to." But <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not someone who is like really scared by demons and exorcisms and stuff, and I think it's more of a gross movie than a yeah. scary movie. Yeah, which has its place. I feel like in horror, yeah. like there's a lot of people that are really like disturbed and disgusted by like bodily fluids, which there's plenty of in this film. Yep. <laughs> But, you know, I didn't think that it was anything particularly scary. Yeah. Oh, did you want to talk about your animal observations? Yes. Okay. So at the beginning of this movie, I noticed a thing that I like to see in movies. Um, maybe I'm just, like, telling myself this, but I think a lot of people don't notice or probably just don't think about it. <laughs> um, so at the beginning, there's these dogs, like, fighting next to a demon statue. And I was like, why are they fighting? And then, like, I looked at them and I was like, those dogs aren't fighting. Those dogs are playing. They play fighting, and they just added snarling noises over it. And then I remembered a different movie. I've been thinking about it, and I can't remember what movie it was. But in, like, it was like a more recent movie, and it was super obvious to me in that movie that those dogs were just having a good time. And they just added snarling noises over it to make it look like they were fighting. <laughs> but that just was a fun fact. Fun fact of the day. Um, and the final uh, special segment I think we had down for this movie was... In my gay opinion, In uh, this my is gay opinion. <laughs> this is where we uh, we sort of analyze some things that uh, are a little bit 
not straight um, in what we think about them. In my gay opinion, really the only like sort of non-heteronormative thing that we noticed in this was that the priests and a lot of the other male characters were more touchy and considerate towards each other than in yeah. modern movies. And it was fine. They weren't all weird about it. They weren't like, no homo. Yeah. Um, like at the beginning when he's in Iraq for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, they There was like two dudes holding hands because I think one of them was like helping the other one walk or something. Um, something yeah. like that. And it was fine. Yeah. And then later, when like after his mom dies and his friend is taking care of him. Yeah, Damien's know? mom. Yeah. And then his friend comes over and he like helps him like take off his shoes and he tells him to lie down and kind of helps take care of him a little bit. And then he's like, bye, good night. And, mm-hmm. and it's fine. It's not gay. Yeah. There's no like no homo bro energy. Yeah, I feel it was like great. if it was made today, like all that would be completely yeah. <laughs> I love that that was in there. We need more of that. Yeah. Normalize like just kindness and Between touching. Men. Yeah. Like it's fine, guys. I promise. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything we had to say for the meat and potatoes of this movie. Uh, <laughs> was it scary? Our consensus is not no. really. Um, the ranking, what should we give this? Um, <laughs> out of spinning heads. Let's give it a ranking out of one to ten spinning heads on the scary scale. Mm, two? Yeah. Three? I give it a three. I give it a three spinning yeah. heads. Three spinning heads out of ten, right? Yeah, that's okay. that's my official rating for this. Okay. <laughs> um, who would we recommend this to? I, I I would recommend this to anybody who hasn't seen it, honestly. Like as long yeah. as you can handle like some explicit content. Yeah. Um, and you're not like super terrified of like demons, demons <laughs> and religious and being things. possessed and stuff. Yeah. Um. Oh, I do want to say. Um. I remember one of the interview sort of things we watched, there was one lady that said she couldn't finish it because, like, she saw the little girl going through all this. And, like, she couldn't finish it because she was like, that was like watching my little girl. Right. Harm to children is a big trigger for this movie, I feel like. So So maybe skip it if you, like, just had a kid or something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who would we recommend it to? We we covered that. Um, Why do we think other people found it scary? We mentioned the religious thing, the harm to children thing, Mm -hmm. and also just the fact that, like, harm to children or like corruption of innocence isn't really something that most film directors like to go into because it is very unpleasant and very taboo Mm -hmm. um you know so there is that aspect going for it yeah would we watch it again i would watch it again i want to watch the director's cut and i now that i learned about like how they did all the like prequels and sequels i want to watch those now just to see what they did with the lore Mm -hmm. me too but yeah that's about that's about it for this episode I think so. Um, yeah. Let us know if we missed anything that you would have liked to hear about or want to talk about. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on all of our socials at Nothing Scares Us. Uh, clips from our reaction to this movie may possibly end up on TikTok or YouTube at some point because we did film it. I can't promise that the film the filming was any good, but, you know, we tried. I'm convinced that something is, like, haunting us because every time we figure out a technical difficulty... Another one inevitably comes up, and yeah. we have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, bear with us, guys. We're, we're trying our best. Yeah. We thought we finally had it figured out today, and now the mic is making weird staticky noises. So maybe we're haunted. I don't know. We'll find out eventually. <laughs> Episode two. Are we haunted? <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Please uh, rate, rate and review us if you can. It would mean a lot. It really help us out. Share the podcast with your friends. Follow all our socials. And feel free to recommend movies that you think are scary, that you think that we'll like. 
what scared you so bad you couldn't sleep at night or day yeah let <laughs> us know and we will see you next week for another episode bye, bye. I wanna see if it's gonna make me throw up.